Good morning. Lots of lots of thank yous this morning. Uh, if you were here early, you got to uh, enjoy a nice breakfast for all the moms out there. Uh, it was wonderful. Um, and Julie had a, a, some activities to do, and Jen had a devotion. It was really a wonderful time. And thank you to everybody who put that on, and for the fellows for for making breakfast. Uh, you know, it was a really good time. I could tell some of the moms were. You know, like on a normal Sunday, we're probably a little stressed. Even though this is, this is supposed to be your day, you know, you know, mom's still got to go through a lot. And I was walking through the crowd down there, and I don't know who said it, but I heard it. Some mom goes, she says, ain't nobody leaving this table till I get my card. I don't know who that was, but <laughs> you ever feel like that, mom, so... Well, you know, Mother's Day is a wonderful, wonderful time to celebrate mothers. And, you know, from the time I was a little kid, uh, you know, Mother's Day was always a fun time. And uh, when I was a little kid, I think I've told you the story before, we went to a little church in the great metropolis of Westville, Ohio. And, uh, and we got up there, and the choir director, she, uh, she taught us this song. We were supposed to get up here and sing it. And uh, I don't think, you know, any of us really understood half the words, but we got up there and sang it anyways. And for whatever reason, I still remember this song. I always thought it was the corniest song as a kid, but and it, it was something like, M is for the million things she gave me. You, know, you guys have probably heard the, O means only that she's growing old. I'm thinking, wow, that's a, that really make mom feel good. T is for the tears she shed to save me. H is for her heart of purest gold. And, you know, and it goes on. And, and R or E is for her eyes with love light shining. R is right and right she'll always be. Put them all together, they spell mother. You know, the, the word that means the world to me. And, I, and we all sang this. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Sinatra's got nothing on me. So well, you know, there are lots of wonderful moms here today. I look around, you know, there are moms from traditional families, moms in special circumstances. There are some single moms. We have stepmoms. We got step-in moms. You know, we got, you know, and I, you deserve all the honor that today uh, you know, you deserve breakfast in bed and lunch in bed if you want. If you want to go home, jump in bed and say, bring me my lunch. You know, you, you deserve that. And, uh, you know, we'll even clean up the mess today. You know, what the heck. And my daughter, who never does the dishes ever, she wrote a card to her mother this morning. And the best thing she could think of was to tell her, you know what, I'll even do the dishes for you someday. You know, so you pick the day and she'll, you know. For one day, she'll do the dishes. So. <laughs> you know, for many years, though, I've thought about that little song and that little poem. And I've often thought, you know, some of the letters ought to stand for other things. You know, M, instead of the million things she gave me, and it ought to stand for multitasker or maniac or, you know, all the things, you know, moms have to do. Because no human mom can fulfill that role Perfectly as the mom in that poem. I mean, I, 
Is that Mother Teresa or Mother is in your mom? I, I'm not sure, but Mother's Day is a day when moms, you know, a lot of you got cards this morning, uh, will get cards. And, uh, you know, a lot of times these cards tell us not so much who you really are, but, but what you, what the family, what society, what the world often suspects you should be. And I know for a lot of moms, sometimes that can lead to some guilt. Like, man, I can't, be, who's this mom? You know, I don't know this mom. And we get all these crazy cards, and uh, Jim, I don't know if you got the, or Eric's back there today, if you got the PowerPoint going here, I've got a couple of, uh, you know, these are the kind of cards that I would, would like to give out. Dear Mom, it's not that you're the only one who sees the messes, it's, it's that you're the only one who cares, except today. We care today because Dad's bribing us, and he seems serious. You know, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to my second least embarrassing parent on Facebook. <laughs> Some of your moms get it. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for not putting me up for adoption. <laughs> Probably tempted there. Uh, thanks for being a great mom through my 30-year awkward phase. <laughs> Just keep, you know. I'm... Thank you, Mom, for making me food so I don't die. <laughs> That's what moms do. If a mother asks you a question, it's better to tell her the truth because chances are she's asking because she already knows the answer. Remember that, kids. Mom's know. Sylvia's shaking her head. Oh, yeah. Oh, and of course, our, our all-time favorite. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So you think about these, these kinds of cards that we can get and we can have fun, a little bit of fun sometimes on, you know, with moms and stuff, but... You know, they did a recent survey on Good Morning America, and they asked viewers, you know, list, list the top three television moms of the last 40 years. Top three television moms. Of course, the gold medal, the number one, went to Claire Huxtable of The Cosby Show. I mean, I mean she, uh, you know, she uh, was impeccably dressed, had six children. Unbelievable. She kept a spotless house while pursuing a prestigious full-time career. She laughed at all her husband's jokes. You know, all the things that, you know, makes her wonderful. Silver medal went to Marion Cunningham from Happy Days. Some of their kids are like, who's, what's a Happy Days? I, who's Marion Cunningham? Well, she always looked good in an apron. She was always smiling. And the bronze medal went to Marge Simpson of the Simpsons. I mean, Marge, well, you know, she married Homer, but I guess we can't hold that against her. You know, she's a very patient lady. You know, we'll give that to her. But, you know, how can real-life moms live up to all that? How can you possibly be a Claire Huxtable? And, I mean, these are all fake characters. that They sort of exemplify in some ways... The standard of what we expect people to be, what we expect our moms to be. How can you live up to that? Well, M is for a lot of things in that song. And our first uh, Bible scripture today, and I, I apologize, I don't have it on the, the overhead, but 
It's in Proverbs chapter 31, and you've all have heard this. We even talked about it this morning. Proverbs 31 is the classic piece of scripture that talks about uh, the virtuous woman. We apply that then to, to moms. But Proverbs 31 has a lot to say, and I want to look at it in a little bit different light this morning than what we traditionally do. Proverbs chapter 31, we'll start at verse 10. And uh, an excellent wife, who can find her? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. All right, so the, you know, the virtuous mom, you've got to be excellent in your marriage. Verse 13, she looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it's still night, gives food to her household, portions to her maidens. She considers a field. She buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. Man, she's busy. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. She stretches it out to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. And when he sits among the elders of the land... She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Wow. Those verses talk about the behavior of a virtuous woman. Wow, that's a lot to live up to. Holy cow. He goes on in verse 25. It's going to mention her character, the character of a woman here. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 28 will describe her family life. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Starting at verse 30, it talks about her spiritual life. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. You know, as much as I love that scripture, and there's a lot we can learn from that, in my mind, that woman, I mean, she would be like Wonder Woman or something. She's perfect. No one's perfect. No one can meet the exact qualities of that scripture all the time, except my mom. My mom's here today, so, you know. I, but anyways, uh, you know, these things are a goal for women to shoot for, something to work towards. A lot of times, I believe, you know, moms are too hard on themselves. Talk to a young mother at school. Where I, where I teach, and she was talking about, man, I'm so busy, I can't, I can't make time for this. And I get home, and the only thing I can do is make them a can of SpaghettiOs, and that's all they get. 
And then we got to do, then I have to run off to a PTO and, and, and all this. And I'm just like, I mean, cut yourself some slack. You're doing the best you can. I mean, our kids, we eat pizza rolls. All, I mean, I'm like the biggest kid in the family. I think mom or Neola does a good job of raising me. But, you know, sometimes that's, that's what we got and we love it. Give yourself a break. You know, I think moms are too hard on themselves a lot of times. You know, you know, I know my mom had her hands full at times. My sister and I, Tammy, were pretty good kids, I think. But even we would drive her nuts at times. And, of course, uh, the punishment for us was you know, sit on the couch. You sit there, you sit over there. All right, and, and mom would go around doing her thing, and pretty soon we'd, we'd sneak out and try to, you know, just tempting her, seeing if we can make her mad. You know, we'd sneak up off the couch and look down the hallway. Oh, there she is. And you run back to the couch. And <laughs> of course, we get it again, but you know what? That, you know, moms have it like that. Your kids drive you crazy. And then moms feel guilty later when they get mad. Give yourself a break, mom. I mean, I'll never know what being a mother is, is truly like, but, you know, I know the regrets that some parents often feel because, you know, they worry about the fact, I, I'm not perfect. I wish I was perfect. And, you know, and you look at your kids and you're like, you know, I did the best I could. I mean, there's no manual for parenthood, no manual for, for moms or for dads, for that matter. So I hate to break it to you kids, but... Well, nobody gave us a book when you were born and said, here, let me do this. Your kids will be, they'll always be happy and they'll never get mad at you. Well, that's not the way it works. You know, what's your standard of perfection? I recently read an account of a mom who struggles a lot with perfectionism. She struggles with anxiety and, and if these things bother her greatly. And listen to this quote from this this woman. She says, my son is a relatively good eater, yet I beat myself up over his eating habits every single meal. He's continuously sick. I feel like I'm, I'm never doing enough to prevent it. I feel tremendously guilty any day that I feel tired and therefore don't spend hours of quality time teaching him new things or going on educational adventures. There are honestly a lot of days in which I live in a constant state of anxiety about not being the perfect mom to my sweet boy. And of course, I'm so far from perfect, it's not even funny. A lot of moms feel that way. You know, can I get an amen from the moms out there? Do you ever feel like that? You know, geez, I do the best I can. And then we read in the scriptures things about the, the virtuous mother or the woman, and we're like, wow, I, how am I ever going to meet that criteria? Where does this obsession with perfectionism come from? Where does it even begin? You know, everything from, from our careers to, to the way we look, our bodies with our success as a spouse, as a parent, as a Christian... We strive endlessly to be more than enough. We're never satisfied with just resting and where we are, knowing that we're doing the best we can. I'm not saying we should just all stop trying to do better. We should stop 
looking at, at the Proverbs and saying, wow, this is something to shoot for. But I do think we live in a world where we're constantly trying to compare ourselves with other people and we allow that to sort of seep in and affect our own value and worth as a parent. Yola and I went to uh, Chicago a few years ago and we stopped at some little pizza joint, which was really cool, Chicago pizza, you know, the whole thing. And we're there and, and we're eating and this family walks in and it was a mom and a dad and they must have had seven or eight kids. And they were all dressed up in matching uniforms, it looked like. I think they were probably in some kind of a contest or something. And I'm thinking, wow, this is neat. And you look at this family. They all come in. They all sit down. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking in my own mind, I'm like, wow, we, never, we hardly ever go out to eat, let alone all get dressed up and come marching into a restaurant and sit down and start going. And, man, do they look good. They look rich, well off. And I'm sitting there comparing myself. You know, we didn't even bring our kids to Chicago. We just sort of dumped them and took off, you know. <laughs> so... Um, you know, and I'm looking at this family, and then as the, the night went on, it became obvious that there were some differences between my family and their family. For example, when the waitress would come and serve them, they never said thank you. It was nothing was ever done right. You need to take this back, and I, I need to get a. Where's your your wine list? Is horrible. You know, I, I can't. I'm just like these people are obnoxious. What a bunch of jerks. What a bunch of spoiled brats. And I sat there and I began to, to, to sort of in my mind chastise myself. And I looked at my wife and I thought, wow, I'm proud of our family. I'm proud of what we've been able to do. Sure, we don't all dress up looking like that and march around, but my kids say please and thank you. Even if they don't like something, they'll still do it. They won't go out of their way to embarrass people or draw attention to themselves unnecessarily. I was proud of my family because I cut myself some slack. Can't be like the, this perfect family here who turned out to not be so perfect after all. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I want to talk briefly about a mom from the Bible who she kind of dealt with the same kind of thing here in 1 Samuel. So we're back in the Old Testament. We're probably in the first quarter of the Old Testament if, you, if you're new to the Bible. And uh, we're going to start off talking about a guy by the name of Elkanah and his wives. Now, now i got to warn you, some of the names here are <laughs> they're not exactly Jim, Bill, and Steve. Okay, I mean, we got Elk and, uh, and Elihu and Tohu and Zuf and, and the whole bit. So let's go through the story here. And I want to read to you, and this, this is a little bit of a, a text here. So if you don't have your Bible, just kind of close your eyes and, and, and kind of imagine this story. Now there was a certain man from Amathian Zophim from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Toa, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. Okay, so, yeah, we got some big shot guy here. Okay, he, he's pretty important. And he had two wives. 
The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Panina and his wife and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. You can imagine some of the problems uh, that these two women are going to have with each other. Here's Panina and her wonderful kids. And over here's Hannah, who has no children. But Elkanah, he really loved her. He really cared for her. Her rival, however, verse 6, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her. Because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Sounds like something a man would try to say. He meant something nice, but probably ended up insulting her even worse. You know, I don't know why we do that. Uh, look, you don't have any kids, honey, I know, but hey, I'm better than ten kids. And, you know, wah, 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 you know, so. Verse 9, then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, great, she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. She's had it. She's at her wit's end. She's tired of getting messed with by... Uh, the other wife and her bratty kids, you know, she's got nothing here, and so she's finally, she's had it. Verse 11, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. There's some drunken lady here in the temple. Great. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine. But Hannah replied, No, 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 my Lord. I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then she rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to her house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and 
pay his vow. But Hannah didn't go up. For she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned, and I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. What a story. You know, here's Hannah married to a man who obviously loved her very much, but he also had another wife, which was common in those, that culture. Of course, that wife could have children, and every time they would go up to the temple, you know, the, eh, 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 you know, we're blessed more than you. Our family's better than yours. Don't you feel bad about that? I've talked to moms before who, who worry about that. You know, some so-and-so's family, they're just better than ours. And they worry about that. You know, Hannah could have continued to have done that, but she finally reached a point where she said, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be jealous of somebody else. I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to take this before the Lord. In fact, you know, she prayed so hard, the, the priest Eli thought she was, you know, had been drinking. But God heard her prayer. He knew, God knew that through this whole situation, Samuel would be born, and Samuel would grow to be a great man. Samuel would grow up, he would see the, uh, you know, he would. His whole life was dedicated to God, was dedicated to the Lord. He'd go on to lead the people of Israel. Samuel would go on and anoint Israel's first and second kings, Saul and David. This was a very important man. And I love, over in verse 2, what Hannah says, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Instead of feeling defeated, she took her troubles to the Lord. She continued to pray to God. She put her hope in Him. And despite the needling from uh, Penina and those, those bratty kids of hers, Hannah looked to God and he delivered her according to his plan and his, his purposes. Instead of allowing her life to be defined by guilt and anxiety, she felt over a situation. She said, look, I'm going to stop comparing myself to other moms, and I'm going to put my trust in God. And God had something special for her. She only had to turn to him in faith. You know, thank God for moms. You know, we live in a world where, you know, the idea of men being spiritual leaders, you know, it's under attack. Being a spiritual man is, is seen as wimpy and weak in many places. And so many men will not stand up and, and assume a, a position of leadership within the family, within their church, within their community, a position that I believe God has ordained for men to do. Thank God for the moms. Because with men giving up that position, that additional responsibility has fallen upon the moms. How many of you had a strong female in your life who made sure that you got to church, that you learned right and wrong, that you made good choices, that you did these things? I know in my life, most of my spiritual mentors, they were all women. They took it upon themselves to make sure that I understood, that I knew who Jesus really was. 
For many of us, it was the women who were the spiritual glue that made things kind of stick together. And I think that's something almost God-given. I remember uh, my son Dustin when he was born. Long time ago, it seems like. He wasn't even a week old yet, and we were going to head to church. First time going to church. And I'm in the, the front room getting ready, doing something. And I could hear in the back room Neola talking to him. Just saying little things like, we're going to go to church, go learn about God and Jesus. Just little things like that. You know, from the very, very beginning, sort of taking the lead. And I'm going to make sure that this kid, he's going to know about God. He's going to learn about Jesus. Now, he'll have his own life, as we all do. We all go our own way. But thanks for doing that for him. For making sure that he came to church and that he knew about Jesus. Even today, my, my youngest, he spent the whole day at Kings Island yesterday with his girlfriend. He is totally wiped out. They got home so late, and I looked in on him last night, and he, was, he didn't even crawl in bed. He fell asleep on the floor. He's laying there. <laughs> you know how freshman boys are. They stink. They, they don't, you know, they just like, man. It's like, let's let him sleep. No, she opened the door. Oh, we're going to church. Let's go. Time to get up. And he's laying there like, ah, you know, boom, door shuts. Well, at least she gave him the opportunity. So that's what moms do, though. So moms, it's your day. We love you. And, you know, I think you give yourself a little bit of a break. Don't compare yourselves to other moms. Don't compare your family, your little family with somebody else's family. You're doing the best that you can. And if you put your faith in God and ask for his guidance, he will bless you. He will help you. And he'll help you become the woman that he meant for you to be. You know, there are a lot of moms out there. Many of them aren't Christians. Some of my friends, their mothers, they were fantastic mothers. They weren't Christians. I don't think they were anything, just agnostic maybe. But uh, but the Christian mother, I think, has an advantage over the unbeliever. You are a child of God. You're doing the best you can. You're serving in the name of Jesus to raise these kids up. And as you learn and study and become more like Christ, you're going to learn how to be a better mom. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. We're not alone. Now, I mentioned once how many moms out there put their life on hold in order to raise up the family. Uh, for many years, uh, women were not supposed to have a career. You were not supposed to be, uh, you were supposed to be at home, raising the kids, uh, barefoot and pregnant, and that's what you did. All right, that's just what moms were supposed to do. I know a lot of women who uh, would have made fantastic businesswomen or, le or leaders or lawyers or whatever that they chose could choose to be. Many women uh, and men at times put their dreams on hold to raise up the family. And to me, that's what makes moms so great, the fact that they're willing to do so much to, for other people. That moms that you... 
you put other people ahead of yourself. You know, don't look upon these years, uh, the, the childbearing years of raising up the family, don't look at that as a time of regret. You're living out the greatest example of Christian love. You're putting yourself before somebody else in the name of Jesus so that they can have a better life. You know, so they, today when you, you, know, you talk to your mom, or fellas, you take your wives out to, to dinner or whatever and, and you try to make her feel good, let her know, thank her for putting in all that hard work, of putting her needs second to our needs. How many of you women get up in the morning and make sure your, your kids are taken care of, your husband's taken care of, and only then will you allow yourself you know, to tend to your needs? I've seen it a lot of times. Um especially when they're little. Now, when you get older, I mean, buddy, you better get yourself up out of bed. I ain't, you know, get your own breakfast. Anyways. Uh, one of my favorite stories uh, when I was, was young, and I, I thought mom, mom texted me last night about 10 o'clock. I think we're going to come tomorrow. I'm like, no, no, don't come. Now the pressure's really on, you know. And the first thought I thought of was, oh, she's going to come to church and Pay me back for all them stories I tell about my family growing up. She's going to come up here and say, now you listen to a few about this guy. But one of my favorite stories with mom was I was in high school playing baseball and it was, was in a rough stretch. It was in a slump. And I was a pretty good baseball player. And I was a sophomore playing varsity. And the varsity guys were, man, they took baseball serious. And I think we were at a playoff game, and I had a, a ball hit deep, and I misjudged it, just missed it. I, was, I came in, oh, no, and you know, if you're an outfielder, you don't run in, oh, too late, ball's over your head, I missed it. Oh, and one of the seniors, he just let me have it. What are you doing, Johnny? Ah! And he just let me have it, and I went home that night just like, like oh, I hate baseball, <laughs> Man, I can't do it, I stink, you know. And so we're driving around in the car, and mom's trying to cheer me up, and I'm just like, I'm not having it. I'm like, eh, baseball. A couple more weeks, it'll be over, whatever. And she goes, think of this. And she starts singing this little song. Just what makes that little old aunt think he can move a rubber tree plant? And I'm sitting there like, oh, I don't want to, what do you, I don't sing that, mom, no, you know. And... So we went through that, and so we got up to the school, and I got out of the car and went out there and got up to the plate, and sure enough, I hit my first home run, put it way out, and after that, I was a hero. Yeah, Johnny's a good ball player. We're glad he's on our team. I just felt great. And, you know, not a day goes by that I don't think about that little old aunt. You know, you get yourself in situations as you go through life. You think about, man, that little old ant. He might move that rubber tree plant, you know, and away we go. I don't know what it is, but that little song has stuck with me through my whole life. So thank you, moms, for all that you do. 
I'm hoping that you'll give yourself a break today. Maybe take a little time for mom today. Maybe a little mom time might be in order. Don't compare yourself to other families, to other women. You're doing the best you can. You're being the woman that God asked you to be. And we love you for that, Mom. So give yourself a break today. Like we said, there's no manual for it. So, ladies, thank you for winging it all those years and taking care of us. We love it. We love you. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you today for moms. We thank you for all the sacrifice and all the things that they have done for us. All that they give. The time, the, uh, the attention, the money, the, all of those things. And God, we know that when you created humans, you had a special place for moms. And I know even Jesus, when he hung on the cross and was about to die for all of us, he wanted to make sure that his mother was taken care of. Help us always to love our moms and to cherish them and to make them a priority in our life. Thank you for the Christian example that our moms have for us about what it means to love somebody else, to give their life for somebody else. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks today. Amen.